0: The HR World Podcast, The Puzzle of Motivation, brought to you by Resource Solutions Group in association with the HR World. Part of Resource Solutions Group, or RSG, the HR World is a premier peer support network For Senior HR Professionals In March 2014, the HR world facilitated a roundtable debate led by the Global HR Director at Supergroup PLC, Andrea Cartwright. The debate explored the common challenges businesses face when trying to develop a strong employee motivation strategy and this podcast will illuminate the ways in which you can overcome them for business success. Forward by Andrea Cartwright, Global HR Director at Supergroup plc. In every HR role I've held over the past 20 years, I've rallied the organization behind implementing performance management practices, often alongside introducing variable pay. Looking back, I question was it worth it? Has all that time and effort really delivered the outcomes we were seeking? Has it made the change in performance that we hoped it would? Have we really delivered a return on investment? Performance management processes tie up huge amounts of our managers' time, yet they continue to lack the skills and confidence they need in order to motivate employees to be at their best. Furthermore, employees themselves often dread the whole process. Where differentiation of pay is concerned, I've found that you often gain a few happy people, but the vast majority are unhappy despite receiving what would traditionally be considered a good bonus outcome, because others receive more than them and they question why. During my first year at Nationwide, I focused my time on implementing performance management and performance-related pay structures. For the majority of employees, we removed the profit-share type bonus that was linked to group performance results. In its place, we implemented individually differentiated bonus payments based on the principle of a standard distribution of performance ratings. For sales consultants, their reward was based around driving sales, all within the boundaries of treating customers fairly, whilst meeting their financial needs, of course. For this department in particular, it had a very beneficial effect. I have since met with Tony Prestedge, COO of Nationwide, and we debated whether we did the right thing. We both agreed that we were no longer convinced that the age-old theory better pay drives better performance is the way forward in every case. We refer to the catalyst of this debate, Dan Pink's book entitled Drive. Pink sets out the scientific evidence that performance-related pay and -and carrot-and-stick reward schemes, the sort many organisations use to drive performance, actually inhibit rather than enhance performance. He cites a software business, which, having read the book, removed commission bonuses from their sales team, added the difference to their base pay, and were astounded when sales performance increased. Upon arrival at my current employer, Supergroup, I was presented with a completely blank sheet of paper as Group HR Director. What I walked into, virtually no HR practices and processes to unpick and replace, Was a once in a lifetime opportunity to take the very best of what I had learned over the past 25 years and use it to create something amazing that could truly propel Supergroup to the next level of success. The culture is quite different to previous organizations I have been involved with, hugely entrepreneurial, very creative, and more emotionally, less rationally driven. We do need some process in order to be able to operate effectively, but I've found that there is a fine balance between freedom to act and leveraging an element of governance and efficiency. It has left me thinking deeply about whether it is time to step off the traditional path that we often tread as HR practitioners and to try something different. I don't have all the answers, I'm not sure any of us do, but I do now strongly believe that traditional performance management is the wrong answer. Instinctively, I think we can all relate to Dan Pink's philosophy that purpose, autonomy and mastery are key drivers of the engagement utopia that has become a big focus of HR in the last five years. David McLeod, in his Engaging for Success work, identified very similar drivers – shared purpose, engaging leaders, employee voice and involvement, and aligning values and behaviours. I analysed the data that came as a result of an employee motivation survey at Nationwide and found that the key drivers of motivation were very much the same as those suggested by Pink and McLeod. It was also found that big conversations with employees also play a significant part in understanding our people better and consequently, what really drives them. So how do we make these things happen in the corporate world? The concepts are easy to grasp. But aren't they much harder to deliver in the real world? To discuss these questions, I was invited by Mike Beasley, CEO at RSG, to lead the debate at Bentley's Oyster Bar and Grill in Mayfair, London. The evening presented a rare opportunity to meet with some of the UK's leading HR professionals, who represent a variety of industries from financial services and retailing to construction and multinational FMCG brands. This podcast comprises the insights and ideas that were provided throughout the debate, as well as some additional research into the secret behind employee motivation in the 21st century. Models of Motivation Moving Motivation Strategies into the 21st Century For most businesses, a strong employee motivation strategy is at the top of their objectives. The reasons for this are clear. A successful employee motivation programme increases employee engagement, improves overall work performance, reduces staff turnover and leads to a strong and loyal workforce. In addition to supporting and enhancing overall company objectives, a successful programme of motivation works as an attraction tool in itself. Dedicated and fulfilled employees will inadvertently advertise a company as an employer of choice. However, despite there being such significant advantages to play for, many businesses are putting too little focus on employee motivation or are seeing minimal results from their efforts. So why is this? When we ask ourselves how we can motivate our employees, the time-honoured answer is simple. We incentivize them. The problem is that incentives come in many different guises, and all too often, businesses focus on money in order to drive their staff. This concept may seem entirely logical. The more you pay someone for completing a task well, the better they will perform. Great. Except that in many cases, monetary incentives alone don't work. For evidence of this, we can refer to a TED Talk entitled The Puzzle of Motivation, led by Dan Pink, a best-selling author committed to revolutionising how companies view the modern workplace. Looking at various scientific studies into how well people perform when offered different incentives, Pink found that for straightforward tasks that involved only mechanical skill, monetary incentives work as you would expect. The better the reward, the better the performance. However, for tasks involving even rudimentary cognitive skill, a larger reward actually led to poorer performance. Furthermore, the London School of Economics studied 51 different pay-for-performance plans. Their conclusion, we find that financial incentives can result in a negative impact on overall performance. These findings suggest that for occupations which require even a fraction of creativity, bonuses, commissions and monetary incentives yield no positive influence on performance. On the contrary, they have been found to hinder employees' creativity and pigeonhole their ability to achieve their full potential. With this in mind, why do employers continually insist on taking a carrot-and-stick approach to employee motivation when science has proved it to be an outdated and often ineffective method of reward? What other models have been tried? Did they achieve greater success? We must bear in mind that incentives and their effectiveness will vary from department to department, role to role and person to person, But as a general rule, we can follow the suggestion that employees who deploy innovation to complete tasks are more likely to be motivated by using innovative techniques. Many large corporations have employed forward-thinking motivational techniques in order to increase their performance. Google's renowned 80-20 model allows employees to spend 20% of their work time developing any project they like, as long as it's not related to their main work. The result has been that some of Google's most successful developments have been invented during the 20% free time, including Gmail, Google News and AdSense. Similarly, in his talk on motivation, Dan Pink made a reference to Australian software company Atlassian. Throughout the year, employees are allowed to spend 24 hours working on projects completely unrelated to their primary work. The result? Similar to the results found at Google, Some of the company's most successful software fixes have been produced in those 24 hours. Not only have those developments improved both companies' bottom line, they've kept employees engaged, challenged and motivated. Such models don't necessarily determine that monetary incentives cannot work altogether. Other companies have found success manipulating the monetary reward system. John Lewis' employee-owned partnership scheme sees company profits divided amongst their employees, rather than their shareholders. Therefore, it is in the employee's own interest to perform better at work. Furthermore, all staff are members of a staff council that allows them to suggest new ideas or ways of tackling problems, no matter what their level is within the company. Concepts for motivation strategies don't have to stop there. More radical suggestions have seen companies employ an ROWE system, results-only work environment. In an ROWE company, employees don't have schedules. They can work wherever and however they want, as long as they deliver results on time. As Pink summarised, the results in these situations were almost entirely unanimous across the board. Productivity goes up, worker engagement goes up, worker satisfaction goes up, and staff turnover goes down. So what do these modern models of motivation have in common? They each allow the employee to gain a sense of autonomy, mastery and purpose, qualities that the traditional carrot-and-stick method is devoid of. They allow a person to take control of their own work, direct themselves, get better at something, and participate in something that is greater than themselves. This encourages them to genuinely enjoy and engage with what they do. As a result, they produce greater work and ideas. Reward and punishment methods have been shown to work in only a very narrow number of circumstances. On the other hand, it's been proven time and time again that pushing our motivation strategies into the 21st century increases employee engagement, which will drive businesses forward as a whole. Case Study The Candle Problem Created in 1945 by Gestalt psychologist Karl Dunker, The Candle Problem aimed to measure the influence of functional fixedness on an individual's problem-solving abilities. Participants were presented with a box of pin tacks, a box of matches and a candle. Their challenge was to fix the candle to the wall in such a way that, when lit, the candle wax would not drip onto the floor below. The solution is to tip the matches out of the matchbox, pin the box to the wall, and use it to hold the candle. The hypothesis proposed by Dunker was that participants who were presented with the matches in the matchbox would not see that the box itself can be used to hold the candle. They would only see a matchbox. This inability to see how an object can be used for anything other than its primary function is known as functional fixedness. In 1962. Psychologist Sam Glucksberg decided to use the candle problem to assess how incentives affect the speed at which participants arrive at the solution. He told one group of participants that he was assessing them to establish the average time it takes a person to solve the candle problem. To another group, he offered a monetary incentive, whereby the highest award went to those who solved the problem quickest. The result? Against all predictions... Glucksberg found that those who were incentivized in the experiment, on average, took three and a half times longer to solve the problem. He later adapted the experiment further by presenting all participants with the matches out of the box, but incentivized just one group. This time around, the incentivized group performed best. Why? The candle problem is much easier to solve when the matches are out of the box. Therefore, If there is a simple set of rules and a clear set of instructions, if-then rewards will work. However, for any task that requires a participant, literally in this case, to think outside of the box, their creativity and overall performance will be hindered. Investing in Employee Engagement Employee engagement is an important term for anyone involved in the development and implementation of motivation programmes. An engaged workforce is a real asset for any organisation and should be the main objective for any business leader. We now turn our attention to how it could be successfully incorporated into motivation programmes and its role in the overall performance management process. There is some confusion about the difference between engagement and motivation. Despite some overlap, they don't mean the same thing. For an explanation of this, we can refer to Keyes Scheffel, motivation incentives expert, who states that engagement comes from within. It is about having belief in the cause. Engaged people do what they do because they believe it is the right thing to do, and not necessarily because there is a reward waiting at the end. A prime example of engagement is volunteer work. There is no payment involved, it takes up a lot of time and is often very ungrateful work. Yet most volunteers do it with passion and perseverance. Why? Because they believe in what they do. Engagement has everything to do with commitment. So what is motivation? Here is where the confusion starts. According to Scheffel, when we talk about motivation, we distinguish between two different kinds. Intrinsic and extrinsic motivation Intrinsic motivation is in fact exactly the same as engagement. It comes from within, and it has to do with the joy or fulfilment a certain job or task gives the person, rather than the reward it will bring. Extrinsic motivation is triggered by external factors. As soon as those factors don't exist anymore, the motivation will be gone as well. This is where the conversation about incentives and various reward programs starts. The HR World debate participants emphasised the critical role of employee engagement in the performance management process. They expressed concern that an increasing number of companies witness a large proportion of their talent being disengaged and demotivated with management. Furthermore, many companies have found that their staff view performance management as a negative experience. So why is this? One reason is that businesses develop a robust employee engagement strategy without adequately investing in training their staff and management. Additionally, organisational employee engagement strategies are often too formulaic and not personal enough. A successful employee engagement strategy must be based on truly understanding your employees and consequently should be highly personalised. Aberdeen Group's survey, entitled The Age of Employee Engagement, which aimed to explore how leading organisations are designing and implementing their employee engagement strategies, found that achieving employee engagement is one of the greatest challenges facing organisations today. This is largely due to the fact that few organisations understand what employee engagement really means and how it can drive broader corporate goals. Consequently, Engagement levels are dangerously low for many organisations, which has a negative effect on organisational productivity and retention. While nearly 70% of organisations surveyed indicated that they were satisfied with their engagement efforts in 2012, only 55% felt the same way in 2013. As a consequence, the report found that an increasing number of leading organisations are investing more heavily in the way they engage with top talent. Nearly half of the organizations who revealed they have a budget for increasing employee engagement also predicted that budget to increase in the immediate future. The HR World debate participants felt that if organizations don't quickly reevaluate their engagement strategy and discover effective ways of motivating and engaging talent, they are in danger of losing it altogether. Angela Barron, CIPD advisor, comments, If you manage people well, they are more engaged, they are more motivated to exhibit discretionary behaviours, which is the difference between good performance and excellent performance, and that feeds through into financial performance. Clearly, engagement programmes should be tailored to fit the needs of each individual organisation. However, guests of the HR World debate suggested that businesses should focus on the following four key elements in order to achieve successful employee engagement. Start big conversations. Consistent two-way communication between managers and their staff is key to successful employee engagement. A large part of this communication, known as big conversations, should involve making employees feel comfortable enough to provide honest feedback about the workplace and making them aware of the role they play in helping the company to achieve overall business goals. This suggestion was also supported by the findings of the Aberdeen Group's survey, which highlighted that the distinguishing factor between best-in-class businesses and industry-average businesses is their ability to communicate engagement efforts across the entire organisation. Furthermore, the report states that organisations must support managers in having better conversations with their employees, with best-in-class companies rating it as the most important priority in delivering organisational performance. Similarly, Accenture's recent report indicates that the key to effective performance management is frequent, honest and constructive conversations that empower employees to take accountability for results and to play to their strengths. A number of organisations involved in the HR World debate revealed that they conduct regular staff engagement surveys as part of their employee engagement efforts to find out why people come to work, what they need in order to do their job better, what their goals and aspirations are, and how they want to be rewarded. One of the most prevalent survey findings was a correlation between managers' behaviour and the level of staff engagement. Appreciate the little things. It was stated during the HR World debate that employee recognition drives engagement and encourages positive behaviours. This, in turn, makes employees feel valued and motivated. According to Aberdeen Group's survey, over 30% of best in class organisations have a standard rewards and recognition programme in place, compared to only 18% of industry average and laggard organisations. Organisations that employ such programmes are proven to have better retention rates and revenue per employee. The key point to note here is that recognition is not about rewarding an employee's greatest achievements. On the contrary, it is about noticing and encouraging day to day behaviours and showing thought for your employees. As guests of the HR World debate commented, small and subtle gestures such as ordering dinner or booking taxis for late workers can be very effective in making employees feel valued. The challenge is to identify the right form of recognition which works for a particular organisation and to differentiate it by individuals. Managers need to know what motivates each person in their team. The big conversations mentioned previously will go a long way in achieving this. Allow greater flexibility. The guests of the HR World debate agreed that allowing employees to take a more flexible approach to their work is often more effective in motivating and engaging them than financial remuneration. Employers should evaluate whether their employees' work structure is vital. For example, does an employee need to work from the office every day? Do they have to work 9 to 5 or could they start earlier or later and finish work accordingly? It wouldn't be appropriate to suggest that every business should follow a results-only work environment, where all structures are abandoned and employees can work however they wish, as long as the desired results are achieved on time. However, allowing your employees to have some control over how they work not only encourages better performance, but also helps your company to stand out as an employer of choice. According to Aberdeen Group, 30% 30% of best-in-class organisations include the work-life balance as a key component of their engagement strategies. Create a greater purpose The debate guests emphasise the importance of strengthening the sense of belonging and team spirit amongst employees. Effective engagement comes from an environment where personal and organisational aspirations are aligned. People enjoy making a difference, and successful organisations will engage their employees in a variety of worthwhile CSR initiatives where staff across the organisation work to common goals. This creates high levels of shared purpose and develops a sense of organisational loyalty and pride while simultaneously developing the business skills of the employees involved. According to the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, or the CIPD, building a shared sense of purpose within organisations is the golden thread to which strategy needs to be aligned. Organisations with a shared sense of purpose outperform those without it. Case Study RSG Million Makers by Khalid Rizuki, Recruitment Consultant at RSG. When the opportunity arose at RSG to take part in the Million Makers Project, a national competition challenging teams of employees to come together and raise a million pounds for the Prince's Trust and make a real difference to the lives of disadvantaged young people across the UK, I knew instantly that I wanted to get involved. Firstly, I am passionate about the Prince's Trust and the work that they do for young people. Secondly, I wanted to take on a challenge that was outside of my day-to-day working life, to see what I could achieve. As a team, our focus was on raising as much money as possible for the charity, so I think we were all surprised when we realised what we had personally gained from the experience. Patience, compassion and understanding of others were just a few of the ways in which I felt I'd grown as an employee, but I also gained more tangible skills such as strong project management, which I could utilise back in the work environment. One of the most enjoyable aspects of the project was that it brought together employees from all departments within RSG, which enabled us to interact with colleagues who we don't ordinarily work closely with. In addition, it also gave us a platform to exhibit various qualities and capabilities outside of our job roles. As a result, when considering the progression of internal staff, senior management are now aware of the abilities and potential of those employees who they may not directly manage on a day-to-day basis. If a company were to consider getting involved with an initiative like the Prince's Trust Million Makers Project, I would highly recommend that they do it. Having stepped outside of the comfort zone of my day job, I feel like I have played a bigger part in the company as a whole, and feel like a better employee for it. Taking part in such events is a simple yet effective way to get your employees actively enthused and engaged within your business without resorting to monetary incentives. The importance of strong leadership The debate participants spent considerable time discussing the importance of leadership capability within organisations. It was stressed, that strong, inspirational leadership is a key driver of employee engagement. According to business consultant Jim Collins, who created the concept of Level 5 Leadership, the highest level in a hierarchy of executive capabilities, leadership is not merely about possessing certain competencies and skills. It is also about having the ability to create relationships and good working environments. Collins argues that the key factor that allows a company to become great is having a Level 5 leader, which he defines as an executive in whom genuine personal humility blends with intense professional will. Collins' research included 1,435 companies, amongst which he identified just 11 truly great ones that were all headed by Level 5 leaders. According to Collins, these Level 5 leaders have humility and they don't seek success for their own glory. On the contrary, success is necessary so that the team and the organisation can thrive. They share credit for success, and they are the first to accept blame for mistakes. They are often shy, but fearless when it comes to making decisions, especially ones that most people consider risky. The UK Commission for Employment and Skills has produced a range of research showing that effective leadership and people management are core components of high-performance working. According to a CIPD and DDI survey, the quality of leadership can make or break the success and sustainability of any organisation. It also demonstrates that organisations with the highest quality leaders are much more likely to outperform their competitors financially in the quality of products and services, employee engagement and customer satisfaction. However, the same survey states that today's leaders are not equipped to handle the challenges organisations are currently facing. As such, just 36% of UK leaders and 18% of UK HR professionals rated the quality of leadership as high. It is clear that people's leadership capabilities vary greatly. Some people are born leaders, others need to develop their leadership qualities, while some, arguably, simply do not carry the qualities necessary for successful leadership. Despite a clear business need for line managers to be leaders, many organisations base their decisions to employ leaders on an individual's technical skills or their length of service. As a result, they don't take into account the essential skills and qualities that are necessary for successful leadership, as all too often they are deemed as softer, less vital skills. Technical competencies are, however, often less critical than people skills and promoting someone into a leadership role simply because they are good at what they do in their current role is invariably the wrong way to go about it. Instead, organisations should be asking whether the person has the ability to inspire staff, foster teamwork and lead by example. Ben Wilmot, head of public policy at the CIPD, comments, Leadership and management capability continues to be an Achilles heel for UK PLC despite mounting evidence that these are skills for growth essentials. Our research shows almost 3 in 10 people, that's 28%, equating to about 8 million people across the UK workforce, have direct management responsibility for one or more people in the workplace, and yet only just over half of employees are satisfied with their manager. A small increase in capability across this huge population of people managers would have a significant impact on people's engagement, well-being and productivity. However, too many employees are promoted into people management roles because they have good technical skills and then receive inadequate training and have little idea of how their behaviour impacts on others. Clearly, leadership styles can vary significantly from organisation to organisation and are determined not only by the personality of the leader but also by the nature and the needs of a particular organisation. However, It was noted during the HR World debate that there are still too many leaders who expect their staff to perform certain tasks without explaining the reasons behind them. Such leaders primarily focus on the short-term financial goals and fail to see the bigger picture. This in turn leads to low staff morale and high staff turnover. On the contrary, people-orientated, inspirational leaders motivate their employees – and are often the reason that people remain loyal to an organisation. It is evident that organisations are starting to demand more sophisticated, inspirational leaders who hold a higher skill set, so that they can lead by example. Furthermore, they will have the skills to hold big conversations with employees, be able to assess an individual's potential, and the best ways to engage and motivate staff. It was also emphasised during the debate that there is a pressing need for leadership development and training that will equip managers with the skills they need to lead the employee performance management process. HR professionals should play a key role in driving this forward. Accenture's report on performance management confirmed that leaders need to show sustained commitment to performance management and should act as role models by placing it clearly on the business agenda. Simplifying the Performance Management Process Having discussed a variety of performance management practices and solutions in their organisations, the HR World debate participants agreed that there is a need for less formality as often formal structures and procedures overcomplicate things and restrict creativity. It was also pointed out during the debate that there is a risk of alienating or demotivating staff by focusing on hard, measurable outputs and ignoring the softer behaviours, which should be encouraged. The criteria for performance cannot always be measured quantitatively. According to Accenture's research, formal 360-degree feedback can be complicated and time-consuming, so it is often better for the manager and an employee to seek less formality and more frequency. The overarching feeling from the debate guests was that if organisations improve their leadership capability, Performance management will become less process-orientated, less regulated and more about relationships, having big conversations and replicating good leadership behaviour. It is a real leadership challenge to achieve a healthy balance between measuring output effectively and accurately whilst preserving trust and a feeling of empowerment amongst employees. Conclusion by Mike Beasley, CEO at RSG. In his TED Talk, The Puzzle of Motivation, Dan Pink suggests that there is a mismatch between what science knows and what business does. His study into what really motivates people concluded with three key findings regarding traditional carrot-and-stick motivation strategies which I think business leaders should focus on. They only work in a surprisingly small number of circumstances, They restrict creativity more than they inspire it. They are completely unrelated to the reality of what really motivates people. That is, a desire to do things for their own sake, because we enjoy them, or because they really matter. When deciding on how we can modernise our performance strategies, we must remember that the very nature of a performance management strategy depends on organisational context, which will inevitably vary from organisation to organisation. A one-size-fits-all approach is not viable for most modern-day companies. Some, more creative departments, may require totally different dynamics and flexibility than other departments in order to perform and engage to the highest standards. Furthermore, performance management strategies could and should be tailored so that they take into consideration cultural and individual differences. According to Accenture research, While a one-size-fits-all approach to performance management can be simpler to manage and administer, it is not always the best approach. It feels to me that all too often, companies take this approach because they already know how it's done. A new approach requires new thinking and time that companies seem reluctant to spend. However, organisations should ask themselves whether they want to continue to follow lazy methods that yield minimal results or whether they want to adapt their performance management strategies and, as a consequence, revolutionise their business. Lynn Hanford-Day, a guest of the HR World debate, commented after the event, What surprised me during the dinner debate was the shared view of those present that traditional performance management doesn't work, either as a process or as a tool for motivation and engagement. I thought it was just me. A week later, I attended another HR networking dinner where the same views emerged. Indeed, a combination of the annual appraisal and the link to pay is perceived to alienate and disengage about 80% of the population. If this is the case, then what on earth are we doing by persisting with it? On reflection, even those companies which have taken small steps to change their performance management strategy are noticing greater results, in terms of both employee engagement and performance. Ironically, the strong leaders that are required in order to push these strategies must themselves be motivated to drive past the carrot-and-stick methodology. Therefore, it is clear that an effective performance management strategy can only be implemented by inspired, well-trained managers who are prepared to invest time in genuinely getting to know their staff. As Pink states, if we can get past this lazy ideology, not only can we strengthen our businesses, but maybe we can change the world. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get involved, simply visit www.thehrworld.co.uk or contact Caroline Beer, Business Manager for The HR World, on 0777 213 6284.